beautiful Bible. I need it back. It's an expensive Bible. Praise God. All right, Titus 2 4. Everyone, no one jump up at once. All right, Sister Janelle. That they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. All right. Tonight I'll be talking about loving your husband. Next week we'll jump on the, on the last part about that, and that's loving our children. Uh, when we began these lessons, I pointed to the idea that the Bible makes love a commandment. Love is not optional for the Christian. This might seem odd to many of us because we think of love as something that we fall into or that falls on us. And uh, we see love as something um, that, that is like an accident almost. Uh, and this kind of language uh, and the ideas that get packaged into it suggests that love is something beyond our control or our intention. Perhaps even worse, it depicts love as a lottery. For a lot of people, love is a lottery. They kind of feel like, well, you know, uh, Brother Justin was lucky enough to fall in love. You know, he, he got this, like, this, this love number that came up in his life and he, was, he fell in love, you know. But uh, love is not a lottery and neither is it something we fall into. Love is something we can initiate. It is something we should initiate. Love is a choice. And love is sustained by our actions and by our efforts or what the Bible will later on describe often as deeds. So love is something that we do. It's not something that we wait to come on us. Uh, it's something that we can actually initiate, practice. And believe it or not, the more you practice it, the more you initiate it, the more you cultivate it, um, there will come additional nice, fuzz, warmy feelings and all that. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Um, but I want to talk to you about how we build loving relationships. Uh, and in particular, I want to speak to the ladies about how you build a love for your husband. G.K. Chesterton once said, To desire the construction of something is to desire the destruction of whatever prevents its construction. Uh, learning how to construct an unwavering love for your husband means that you should equally be as committed to destroying whatever hinders the constructing or the construction from taking place. And so when I say that I want to love my husband, I have to equally say I am ready to hate, to eliminate, and to destroy anything that would stop me from loving my husband. Amen? Uh, who could read Nehemiah 4 and 17? Uh, many, many women are committed to the building, but not to the war and the destruction of whatever impedes the construction. And so ladies, um, I know that here in America, um, a woman who's ready to fight isn't always seen as a great thing. Amen. But spiritually, you have to be that. Because if you think that there are not forces that will try to obstruct and distort and fight your marriage, uh, amen, uh, at best we are being naive, amen. The devil wants to get his hook in your marriage. The devil wants to get in between your, you and your husband. And you can't be passive about the actions you're ready to take against, uh, uh, against any force, amen. And then you will even have friends that'll try to get in between you and your husband. You have relatives that'll try to get in between you and your husband. You have little annoying grievances That'll try to, but you have to say, you know what? I'm ready to destroy those things. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to eliminate those things because I want to have an unwavering love 
for my husband. Can you say amen? amen. Who has Nehemiah 4 and 17? Who's that? Brother Justin. They which build on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that related, everyone with one of his hands brought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. All right. The ESV reads it this way. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Amen. Uh, and those of you that are familiar with this story, you know that what's going on here is there was a group of men that were building, rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. But there was a particular group of the construction crew that their job, amen, was, they, the Bible says they were loaded with burdens. These guys were the guys that picked up the rubble, picked up the trash, picked up all the garbage that was left over from building the wall. Amen. But they could not just have trash bags and they couldn't just have shovels. Amen. Uh, they had to have, amen, uh, a shovel and a bag in one hand and a weapon in another one. Okay. And uh, when I think about building a marriage, amen, we have to be ready to take the garbage out and to fight. Hallelujah. And uh, we can't just say, yeah, you know what? I love my husband. I got news for you. Every marriage has some rubble and some garbage and some... And then, and then there's stuff in a marriage, amen, that um, maybe it was good at one time, but it's not good anymore. And it needs to be moved out, just like that ugly sweater in your closet. Praise God. There's some stuff that maybe there was a time when it served a purpose, but now it is garbage, amen. There was a time when it was totally good, but now somebody has to take out the garbage, and they have to be ready to fight, amen. Um, don't. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about men right now, because it sounds like maybe I'm being easy on the men, but... But I do want women to know, amen, you're, you're going to see stuff in your husband that's just not cool. It's rubble. It's garbage. It's an old nasty sweater, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But, but, but he's not the enemy, amen. You've got to take out the garbage. You've got to take out the trash. You've got to fight for your marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got to have a curling iron in one hand, amen, and a knife in the other. Praise God. You've got to be good about this. Praise God. Can you say amen? All right. So um, let's talk about a love for our husbands. In the opening verse... We read the women are to love their husbands. Amen. That's what we are instructed to do from the biblical perspective. What I would like to discuss are the elements that challenge that love. I do believe that what challenges a woman's love for a man is slightly different than what might challenge a man's love for a woman. In Genesis 24 and 67, uh, who has that? I want somebody to read that for us. Genesis 24 and 67. All right, Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah. His mother dies. He had a very close relationship with his mother. He loved her, obviously. But after she dies, he gets married. And the Bible says that he was comforted by his wife, Rebecca. Um, Isaac was found great comfort in, his, in the union he had with his wife. Um, a wife cannot and should not underestimate her ability and responsibility to comfort her husband. If a woman is married to even a semi-decent man, he will be a man that had to make many moves, decisions, and departures in life in order to survive and get to her. If you have even a decent man that you call husband, I promise you, and for those of you that are single and are going to get married one day, that guy that comes into your life and that man that is in your life right now he went through a lot to get there. 
Amen. Can someone say amen? Yeah. Uh, uh, moving from one station in life to another is not easy. Um, and, and let me just get right into this. The person, the person traveling, the person moving uh, is affected in very real ways. In fact, the word travel comes from the word travail. If you didn't know that, it's actually the same word, travel and travail. The word travail means to torment, to labor, to strive, to journey. And I think every, man, I think every married man here will raise their hand when I say that you were tormented just to get to your wife. You worked hard to get to your wife. You strive. Someone help me preach. You strive to get to your wife. It was a journey to get to your wife. Amen. You went through a lot to get there. The man you call husband went through some very serious things to be your husband. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with that. You can amen that. Hallelujah. Amen. A woman has within her, amen, the unique and unrivaled ability to comfort a man from the effects of the travel. The word comfort means to lessen the sadness or sorrow of someone and to strengthen by inspiring with hope and restoring a cheerful outlook. The word comfort means to make grief or distress seem lighter by means of kindness and thoughtful attention. Globally, and I want to talk to you a little bit about men here because I think a lot of times victory depends on the information we have. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the man who lives in your house called husband. Amen. And I want to talk to you exactly, and this is good if you, if you have a husband, if you have a son. I think women need to know this. Globally, male children are 25% more likely to die in infancy than girl children or girl babies. Furthermore, here in the United States of America, men have the highest death rates of the 15 leading causes of human death. Amen. That's a lot of travelers dying. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want you to know if you have a husband, it's a miracle. Praise yeah. God. Amen. Amen. Not because nobody should have married you. Amen. <laughs> but it's a miracle because men die very quickly. Amen. And if you've got one, amen, you ought to thank God for that. Hallelujah. Amen. 67% of special education students are all boys. Amen. That's a lot of frustrated travelers. That's a lot of frustrated men in the world. Amen. That's a lot of frustrated men that feel less than intelligent. That's a lot of men, and this is also another statistic that I don't have here, but I did read it. That's a lot of men that are unemployed and underemployed, which means they don't have a job, amen, or they are working in many cases, amen, very difficult job due to their lack of education. I remember I had an uncle, I still have an uncle, amen, who did not make the best decisions in life. Amen. He, uh, he did succeed in some some rather uh, uh, questionable ways of making a lot of money, but um, it wasn't until he was in his late 30s, maybe 40s, that we discovered he was dyslexic his whole life, but he never got attention for that. And so he ended up living a very difficult life. Amen. And I'm not excusing bad behavior, but I am telling you, we need to be sensitive to these things. Amen. What things, things aren't always the way they look on the surface. Can you say amen? Approximately 5% of men suffer from depression. One out of every six men have experienced abusive sexual experiences before the age of 18. One in two men will be diagnosed with cancer. One out of every 10 men over the age of 20 will have diabetes. 80% of all suicides are males. 
In nearly every country in the world, men are more than twice as likely to commit suicide than women. Men have higher addiction rates to alcohol and drugs than women. 67% of everybody who's homeless on the street is a man. I'm telling you, if you have a husband, amen, that man has been through some things to get to you. Amen. There's been some devils he's had to fight. There's been some spirits that have tried to destroy him and kill him. Know this, that whatever man lives in your house, be it your father, your brother, your son, your husband, amen, it was a serious fight, amen, if he's still alive today, if he's still in your home today, if he's sane and in your house today, if he's, if he's productive today, I'm telling you, I want to try to stimulate your love, amen, for your husband, but the love for all the men in your life, hallelujah, because we're living in a society that's trying to divide men from women, and, and, and we, have, we, have, we have a dysfunctional where everybody feels underappreciated, amen, but I think if we just really see the miracle, amen, that the woman in our life is, the miracle that the man in our life is, and if we can grow in our love, hallelujah, loving somebody won't be very hard, amen, when we understand what's really going on behind the scenes, can you say amen, amen, can you say amen, hallelujah, amen, I want you to stop and think about this, when Eve first laid eyes on Adam, he was on his back, he was, in, the Bible says, a deep sleep. And he had a huge scar. You know, Brother Booker says all the time, he says, even the best surgeons leave scars. And can I tell you that when Jesus gets to heaven, he doesn't remove his scars. And so there's something that tells me that when, when Adam woke up, he was groggy. He was stumbling. He was flat on his back. And he had a huge scar on his side. And I'm just, I'll go one step further. This is my own theology. You don't have to believe this. I, I, I don't believe that, you know, he just got up and there was no pain. There was some pain there. I believe he had to be nursed back, amen, to health. It's no wonder that when he opened up his eyes, he said, your name is Eve, mother of all living. He said, amen. He said, amen. Eve's first impression of Adam was not one of a man clothed in strength and flawless. She didn't see this chiseled specimen of perfection. Quite the opposite. Her first impressions were of vulnerability, weakness. Too many of Eve's daughters these days want an Adam without scars. Nobody wants a flawed man. Everyone thinks, you know, I don't know, whoever you're, 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 everyone's waiting for a Dave Clooney to show up to pick him up, or amen, John Travolta, whoever, I don't know, whoever you find, you know, whatever. Whoever you think is perfect, well, you're not getting him. Praise God. You're getting somebody else. And uh, I came to let you know that the life you ordered is not in stock. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You will be getting another life today. But Eve wakes up. And what does she see? She does not see this guy who's just ready to conquer the world. She sees this guy who's going to need help. She sees this guy who has the highest suicide rate. Who can get depressed. Who can have dyslexia. 
who can be suicidal, who can have tendencies towards drugs, bad behavior, all kinds of stuff. This is what she's looking at. And this is not part of my lesson tonight, but I, I, I can almost guarantee you that this was some of the reason that Eve might have even been more than happy to take of the fruit because she thought, man, if, if somebody can pick it up around here, that would be great. Let me make a move and we'll get this garden taken care of. There's no arguing that women are perceptive and observant. However, a woman's perceptiveness does not turn off when she becomes a wife. In fact, what happens is the things that they perceive and observe at a distance are now close up. Women must love when their telescopes turn to microscopes. Because it's another thing to admire your fiancé from afar off and to live with your husband. <laughs> and it's another thing when you're now up and close and, and all the little things that you thought, oh, that's not a big deal, oh, we'll work that out. Or I'll work that out of here. <laughs> and now all of a sudden it's gotten worse. And now it's blown up and now it's big. And now you're seeing the flaws and now you see the scar. And now you see the sleepy Adam and now you see the guy groaning and now you see the guy in pain. Amen. I'm telling you, you could still love right there. I'm telling you, there's, there's a grace of God right there. Amen. There's a beautiful relationship that can be forged right there. Hallelujah. And you still have the obligation to love right there. Can you say amen? amen. There are many pains that come with proximity. Amen. And if we just did the simple thought experiment, amen, or if you allow me to just illustrate this uh, for you in very simple terms, the closer we are to each other, the more bumping into each other we do. Okay. And the closer you are to somebody, there's going to be a lot of bumping into them. There's going to be a lot of elbows in the ribs, a lot of feet that get stepped on. There's going to be a lot of things that happen. And if we're not careful, we will take those pains and register them as punishment. And we'll, we'll start getting these feelings of, I'm stuck in this marriage, I'm hurt, and I can't get out. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amen. Don't get quiet on me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise oh, God. Uh, if you do, if, if we could just, if we're not careful, let me, this is going to sound bad. I didn't want to say this, but I'm going to say this. We have to learn how to suffer. Because, in fact, the Apostle Paul starts talking about marital relationships. He says, can you not suffer one another? And we have to learn how to suffer. If we don't learn how to suffer a little bit, what ends up happening is we start treating things that are very normal. They just hurt. We start treating them and, and seeing them as like punishment. Like, I'm not married, I'm like sentenced. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching good right now. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help you to, to, to take notice of the things that will try to come into your mind, your spirit, your life. Your home, you've got to be determined. I'm going to destroy those feelings. I'm going to come against those ideas. I'm going to come against those notions because I got a husband that I have to love. I got a man that the devil's after. Hallelujah. And this is not just good for wives and husbands. I'm telling you, some of us are going to have to apply that to our baby boys. Some of us are going to have to apply that as the years go by. Amen. To our grandchildren, to our sons, to our grandsons, to our uncles, to our brothers. Amen. To our cousins. You know, whoever, whoever the man in your life is, you got to realize there's some real flaws there. Amen. But you got to realize you have the ability to, 
to attend to some of those wounds, to attend to some of those scars. You can pick Adam up out of his sleepy sleep. Amen. You can help Adam out with that hurt on his side. You can, if, if you'll just love, amen, and if you'll just change your perception around a little bit, you can be a part of that war, amen, and see some men in your life have victory. Praise God. You'll share in that victory. You'll be part of that victory. You'll savor that victory. Hallelujah. Because I don't know of a, I don't know of one good woman who doesn't want every man in her life, from her husband to her father to her brother, to succeed. Can you say amen? amen? If I can just change my perception a little bit, I will discover that there's, not me, but of course I'm speaking to the women. If you can just change your perception a little bit, you'll discover that there's a woman that comes from Adam's scars. There's a woman that comes out of Adam's scars. There's a woman who is forged by the Spirit. She is made by God. Who's strong enough to wake Adam up out of his deep sleep. Who's strong enough to nurse him back to health. And to love him back. And to be loved back by him. Amen. I'm telling you right now, ladies. There is, there is a, a, a stronger, better, higher version of yourself than the scars of your man. But if you exit the marriage, if you check out of the marriage, if you quit on the marriage, you'll never discover who you can be. I'm still preaching good wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You, can, you can look at his flaws. You can look at Adam laying there. You can look at Adam's flaws and say, you know what? This is not what I signed up for. Or you can say, you know what? I'm about to find out who I really am. Wow. I'm about to find out who the Holy Ghost says I am. Wow. Amen. Being formed by the Spirit is very different than who we are naturally. Being formed by the Spirit. Who can read Galatians 5.22? Some of us already know what this is. Amen. Sister Prada was teaching on Galatians 5.22. But who's got Galatians 5.22? Galatas 5.22. Sister Lynette. Faith? What's after faith? Oh, the next sentence. Um, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. All right. Galatians 5.22 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when you teach, when you teach, perhaps, and I'll say this, uh, when you teach a woman to, in, in a setting like this, and you say, you have to love your husbands, most women say, I do. I do love him. That's not the problem. But the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says that love, everyone say love. love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to talk about all the fruits of the Spirit here in a second. But the fruit of the Spirit, that means that it's the product, the produce, the result of, the property of the Spirit. In other words, there's a difference between how you love and the love of the Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost will teach you how to love in a way that, that is not normal to you. That is not common to you. Amen. There is, uh, and just to clear up some of the fruits of the Spirit here for you, the Bible says that, there, uh, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is of the Spirit. The Spirit can give you these things. Some of us may already have those things, but it's all human. It's on a human level. Some people are actually naturally kind of bubbly and happy, but that's, that's not the fruit of the Spirit known as joy. Wow. There's a difference between your, bubbly, yes. your, your bubbliness and the joy of the Lord. Yes. There's a big difference between how I love versus the love of God wow. that flows through me. 
There's a big difference between my patience and the patience that the Spirit gives you. When the Spirit gives you patience, I'm telling you what. Amen. Adam won't give on your nerves as much. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. You can have, you can have, and this, because I'm speaking to women, but this is good for everyone. You can have average human or average woman love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But that is still not the same as all those things that the Spirit can give you. The Spirit's version is much more concentrated. The Spirit's version is much more wider, deeper, longer. You name it, it's much more dimensional. It's, 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 it, it puts ours to shame. Hallelujah. It cannot be compared with. You can love your husband with human love. Or you can love him with the love that comes from the Spirit. But let us not confuse the two. They are nowhere even near equal. Hallelujah. You can be excited about who you married, or you can have a joy that comes from the Spirit about your marriage. Amen. Wow. You can be you can be calm. Amen. Uh, in times of distress about your marriage, or you can have a peace that comes from the Spirit okay. throughout your marriage. You can be patient with your husband, or you can have a patience that comes from the Spirit. Amen. With your husband, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people in the world that possess these things on the human level, but their marriages aren't working out. Right. Amen. Which lets me know my best human efforts aren't enough. Amen. Somewhere in life, I'm going to need the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. I'm going to need a kindness that comes from God. I'm going to need a goodness that comes from God. I'm going to need a faithfulness that comes from God. And, and those of you who may, well, we all know this. Let me tell you something about faithfulness or fidelity. The reason we do not wear rings here, marital rings, is, is number one, the Bible talks against jewelry. The Bible, it is, it is a prohibition. It is a biblical prohibition. You are not allowed to wear jewelry. Amen. And, and it's not because God is insulted by your bling bling. Amen. That's not, what's, that's not what it is. But the Bible says this. It says, let the inner man. Amen. Let that be glorified. Okay. Not your outer man. Amen. But let me, let me tell you something else. The people that want to argue for a wedding ring. Let me tell you two things that some of it might sound disturbing. But let me say this. Amen. Number one, a person who acts married don't need a ring. Wow. Amen. Wow. That was one or two people that dealt with me. Amen. If you, if you act married, I'm telling you right now, you don't need a ring. You don't need any of that stuff. Every, every man, even bad men, know that woman is married. She is not interested in me. She is just... She is. I've tried to pick up on her. She don't talk to me at the water cooler, and she's got pictures of her kids everywhere and pictures of her husband. Uh, uh, marriage does not revolve around a piece of metal on our finger. Okay. Amen. Marriage is an attitude. Come Amen. On. Marriage. Come on. I'm I'm preaching to somebody right now because God help us. But if we were stranded on an island or wherever, our life became totally deprived of all things. We should be able to still act married. Come on. Amen. And then let me tell you this. This is the more disturbing part of. But, you know, this is manland here. This is the adult world. And thank God these kids are little. But I'm telling you right now, there are perverse people. There are wicked people. There are twisted people that deliberately look for people with wedding rings. They're not even trying to pick up on the single girls. They're looking for the woman with the ring. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, there are books out there. There are periodicals out there. There are magazines. There are blogs. 
There are internet sites that provoke this kind of stuff. They will tell you if you really, if you really uh, want to have you know, a non-committed uh, relationship with a woman, just find you a woman with a ring on because she's probably disgruntled. She's probably unhappy. She's probably not in love. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, when you've got the faithfulness that comes from the Holy Ghost, and you have a fidelity and a commitment that comes from the Holy Ghost. When you understand, yes, my Adam has scars. Yes, I found him in a, in, a, in a stupor. Yes, he's vulnerable. Yes, he's weak. But you know what? That's the man God gave me. Amen. He may not believe flawless, but he's perfect. Hallelujah. He may not be every my, my knight in shining armor. Amen. May have a lot of dings and dents. Amen. But that's still the man God gave me. Amen. I'm not leaving him. I'm not walking out on him. Amen. I don't need another husband. Amen. It's, it, I feel all alone up here right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody say praise God. You know, I'm going to say this right now, and I'm, I'm almost done. Just speaking on fidelity, and I don't really get into this unless it's all adults. But just speaking on fidelity, the Bible, the Bible says, "Let not, let, let not, let not the sun go down on your anger or on your wrath." And just you know, really quick, this is good for everybody right here. But it's bad enough that you're angry, but you might why be why be angry and in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason not to let. <laughs> That's a good reason to not let the sun go down. But let me say this: when you are when you are angry, there are spirits, there are people that pick up on that stuff. And there are people. There are people that will come try to come into your marriage. And split it up. Wow. I, I don't want to be too graphic here. I do want to be very graphic, but I don't want to be. There are all kinds of predatory spirits in this world. And given the way, if and I hope you can all understand everything I'm saying in between the lines. But there are people that will try to get you into unnatural relationships. And then they will start. Most people right now that are involved in unnatural relationships that are prohibited by the Bible. They look for angry women, bitter women, divorced women. Go ahead. Women who have let the sun go down on their wrath. Go ahead. I'm telling you ladies right now, this is good for men, but I'm preaching to ladies. I'm telling you ladies right now, don't let bitterness settle into your spirit. Don't let anger, you, you invite things into your life. You don't want them there. I'm telling you right now, before you know it, you'll have weird people looking at you in Target. You'll have people hitting on you. You'll have people pulling up next to you in the car. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm just trying to be a godly woman. And I love my husband. And here I have this wacko whistling at me. Hallelujah. you gotta, you got to get rid of that anger. you got to get rid of those spirits. you got to tell yourself, I'm going to bed tonight. And I'm going to have some peace about this. I'm not happy with my man. But I'm going to talk to him right now. Hallelujah. And I'm going to work it out. And I'm going to have some unwavering love in my life. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to be taken under by these demonic spirits. Come on. Somebody say praise God. We got to have gentleness. We got to have self-control. Amen. And it's all the fruit of the spirit. Meaning the spirit will give it to you. Yes. I'm not, I'm not talking to you about something you have to cultivate on your own. Right. I'm telling you something you can start talking in tongues about. I'm right. telling you about something you can get into a worship service. Lift your hands and all of a sudden, amen, the fruit of the spirit will start blossoming. Amen. It'll, just like those almond buds, it'll just quickly start blossoming out of you. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll just start producing fruit. Hallelujah. 
If I, I pray all the time. I pray all the time. God, I already have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Let that stuff start coming out. Let me get some gentleness. Let me get some love. Let me get some self-control. Amen. Let me get let me get some meekness. Let me get some gentleness. Let me get some kindness. And God, let me get some faithfulness. Let me get some faithfulness. Not not stuff that comes from me, but stuff that comes from the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen. Let's all stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just pray for a few seconds right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.